you. Had a call this morning from a lady said, um, excuse me, yesterday morning, said uh, left, right, and center today, right? I said, no, it's tomorrow. Oh, oh. It was a long pause. Oh. Well, can I help you? Well, I thought it was today. No, it's tomorrow. But anyway, to make, <laughs> make her long story short, she had a question for you, even though she was a day early. Uh, she wanted to know what you fellas would think of legislation that would force the teachers to stay on the job. Um, everybody knows the background, I think, to this. There's a very real possibility of a teacher strike coming up in a week or so here. Uh, the teachers' union is being proving to be very militant about it. Uh, the Minister of Education, Ms. Ecker, has indicated her willingness to sit down and discuss any issue with the teachers. Um, she's indicated her willingness. Whether she'll actually do it is another story, but she keeps maintaining that she's willing to do this. The teachers have pretty much poo-pooed that. She's uh, spoken uh, at least once uh, and been shouted down at a teacher's uh, uh, meeting. Uh, the impression that many people is that the teachers aren't interested in dialogue with the government, that they want confrontation because they, they believe that they have to win this one or else. Um, my impression from uh, the program we've done on the air and the calls I've received off the air is that other than within the teachers' community, which is teachers and relatives of teachers, there's not much support for them out there. And I don't, I'm not taking a stand here myself at all. I'm just telling you what seems to be to me that from what I'm hearing, they don't have much support other than people who are intimately involved in teaching. The general feeling seems to be that they're, they're uh, equally as guilty as the government, and neither one of them are, are coming out of this looking very good. Um, but the lady said, I think the solution is that uh, they should just draft legislation that forces them to stay because it is an essential service, and why should they be able to, whether they agree with the government or not, they have a chance, she said, they have the chance to vote the government out every four years, and if they're not able to do that, surely, particularly as teachers, she said, they should have some understanding of the reality of democracy. And you, uh, you, make, uh, you make do. You do the best you can till the next election, and then you change the government if that's what you want to do. Um, I thought it was an interesting premise, and, uh, and I will put it to both of you gentlemen, starting with you, Mr. Metz. Is there any purpose you could see or any, uh, any um, defend defensible reason why legislation might be drafted to make them stay in the classroom? Well, I, I don't think anyone who has a monopoly on a service should be allowed to strike right from point point A. If, if they want the right to strike, then they should be willing to put themselves on a free market and uh, be willing to compete with other teachers and be and allow taxpayers to send their taxes to the school of their choice. I don't think that, that whatever problem we're perceiving with the education system has much to do with teacher strikes and things like that. I mean, what, what, what are they striking against? The Harris government mainly, isn't it? Mm, yeah. So it's not even a teacher strike. It's a political action. It's a political action taken at the expense of taxpayers, at the expense of the school system, at the expense of students, and at the expense in the long term of teachers themselves. But their concern and their contention is that, that what they're really striking for is, is a, uh, the, the, the opportunity, the ability to, to counter-influence what they see as a destructive policies by the provincial government. Well, then they should be all in favor of privatizing the education system because it's the only way they can be free of that terrible influence of the government. Jeffrey? <laughs> Where to start? <laughs> well, I guess I, I have to hand it to the Tories again because they, they've been so successful over the last number of years at the spin doctoring, and I, I sort of have to just shake my head and wonder, you know, how in the world can it possibly be that anybody would suggest that the Harris government is willing to sit down and talk to the teachers after five years of just beating them over the head time after time after time? 
passing all kinds of legislation uh, dramatically uh, uh, restricting the ability of school boards to uh, to uh, have good schools. Our class sizes have shot up after they keep saying they're going to mandate them down and down, but they won't give the power to the school boards to allow them to do that. So how the Tories can now paint themselves as somehow the, the victim of a bully in the schoolyard when right from the start it's been the Tories who have been going after the teachers and going after our students. And, and I have to admit, I, I always sort of wondered to what extent the strategy of the Tories was to suck the, uh, the money out of the schools, close enough schools, force increases in class size to the point where anybody who could afford it would go to a private school instead. And uh, that then paves the way for the charter schools where you can redirect your taxes to private schools. Taking all, if, if that's their... The Tories are opposed to that, by the way. Well, but, well, but, but, they are, but. but if that's what they're doing, Jeffrey, with the greatest of respect to your little scenario here, they're taking an awful long time to do it. I mean, you would think if they were committed to doing that, they'd be a lot further along because they, you know, they're, they've got a second mandate. Will they get a third? We don't know. Well, then I have to wonder what it is that they are about because uh, the changes that they've made... Uh, you know, in so many ways have so dramatically made schools worse. And I look at my own kids in school and how much worse off they are than they were five years ago. How are they worse off? Well, the class size have increased quite a bit, for starters. Uh, we've got these mandatory curriculums where uh, time after time studies have showed that when you bring in a, a school-wide testing system, Japan's a good example, what effectively you end up with is teachers teaching you how to pass the tests to get the highest grades you can on the tests as opposed to teaching them how to think and how to do things. Uh, from my end of it, they've, they've dramatically um, uh, hurt universities. You know, we end up with one of the lowest per capita funding for universities in North America now, where we were near the top before. And at the same time as we talk about how important it is for knowledge-based workers in the future and so on, it seems like the government is basically about cutting costs, presumably to cut taxes. But they don't do it in an honest way, though. They don't say, we're going to take over education, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to cut funding and so on. We say school boards are still going to have to be the ones on the front line to make all the tough decisions. But we will, we will hamstring them and not allow them to fund the program the way they think they ought to. So as a result, what we've seen is, uh, and I think you wrote about this recently, I don't know if you talked about school trustees, but uh, it's becoming hard to find people to run for uh, school boards, you know, because school boards are just such a, a joke now. If essentially, they're the ones who are supposed to close schools and do these terrible things because the Tories uh, won't provide them with funding. At least the Tories could have the honesty to come out and say, we don't like school the way schools are run. We're taking them over 100 percent, you know, and uh, the buck stops here. And to the extent that anybody's unhappy with school closures, call your MPP. Uh, we're the ones behind it. But to me, I find it so offensive that they do it this, this way where they say, we'll make the boards the heavies, but we will tie their hands so that they can't do anything about it. And then I look at Mike Harris and how he's been publicly musing all summer, and I've never heard him say he's not going to do this, that he's looking at raising his own paycheck by 30%. So a 30% pay raise, he figures, may be appropriate for him, whereas the school uh, teachers have tried to scrape out a percent or two a year. And again, I just find it hard to understand how the teachers are the ones who end up being the greedy ones in all of this. But, but at the end of the day, we end up with a system that uh, is just being having life sucked out of it. And, and uh, the teachers, not surprisingly, because I think a lot of them are, are caring people who went into teaching for the right reasons, hate to see that happening to kids, and yet they're the ones who end up being uh, criticized for it. Bob, I want to shift a little bit to you and ask you why, because Jeff alluded to this, why do you think it is that the Tories have been so successful with their spin doctrine? I've made the point on the program a number of times uh, over the last several years about the teachers that it continues to astound me how ineffectual they are at, at 
combating the government nose to, when it comes nose to nose in the public forum. I They're just not very good at it. I think the teachers have aided and abetted the government in ways beyond belief. Every time they go on strike and do this, they're giving points to the Harris government. There you are. And it's as simple as that. The last time they went on strike, I remember uh, they were picketing. We, we actually set up a counter picket against them. Um, it's one of those rare times you might find us in quote in favor of what the Harris government was doing, though not really, because this, the issue here is it's always the teachers versus the government. And to me, they're both irrelevant elements of, the, of what should be an education system. That should be students and the parents and the people who are involved in the system who should be running it and who should be taking control of it. I'm curious that Jeff seems to be against uh, mandatory curriculums and testing. Uh, how do you know whether somebody knows the information that they've been taught if you don't have testing and if you don't have a curriculum? Well, you have, you have local testing, but uh, I look at something like, for instance, the, uh, the um, law, law school testing. admission test. In the United States, of course, have got the SATs for getting into university, and uh, in Canada, we use the, uh, the law school admission test, the LSAT. And uh, study after study has shown that uh, the LSAT the things the LSAT tests have very, very little to do with it, whether you'll end up being a successful lawyer. It's just a way of distinguishing people, but it isn't... Well, that can be said of all education. I mean, uh, well, I would I mean. say, I well, hate to say it, but the most successful people I know are people who dropped out of school early. Um, school, for, for me, it's really funny because if somebody ever sees my G.A. Weeble High School uh, yearbook, <laughs> me with my long hair down to my shoulders... <laughs> And underneath it, it says, uh, you know, they, they always put those little joke profiles or what, what you want to do in the future. And under mine, and this was, this was very coincidental, it was, mine said, uh, I'm in favor of destruction of the Ontario educational system because I just hated high school. And I thought it was a complete, complete, um, how can I put it, almost an anti-educational thing. Almost, they almost took the life out of you, you know, like that's what they were there to do to, to get you to uh, comply with government standards, think like, the state wants you to think. I don't think the state should be running the schools at all. I think it's one of the most backward and, I don't know, I haven't got the right words for it, but we, we live in a free country. because you didn't pay attention in school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to pause for just a second. We'll be back more left, right, and center after this. With Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Matt's talking this morning about uh, impending teacher strike and a suggestion from one of our listeners yesterday. And let me say again, uh, I don't think I can say it too often. If you've got something you'd like to have discussed in left, right, and center, or dealt with at any on any portion of our program, uh, please feel free to let us know. Give us a call or drop us a line or whatever. The lady called yesterday and said she'd like to hear. Um, Whoever case she wasn't sure who would be on today said, I'd like to hear them talk about whether teachers uh, should be declared an essential service or not. Now, Bob started off by saying he felt that they shouldn't be allowed to strike. Stop me where I go off the tracks because as they are... As long as they hold a monopoly. As long as they hold a monopoly. That they, they... I think employees can hold a monopoly, isn't it, the employer? Well, the whole industry is a monopoly okay. in the country, basically. And uh, get granted the monopoly and granted that you've taken away the choice of the consumer to pull even the one choice he has left away from him is unacceptable. But he does still have a choice. It costs him extra money, but I can still if send you call my... that a choice, I don't call that a choice. All right. You know, it's again the old argument that if I want to buy a Chev, i got to pay for a Ford first, and then I can buy the Chev, and they tell me, well, you've got a choice. That's what they're telling us in education. You've got to pay for the public education, and, if, and then if you've got money left over, you have the, quote, choice to go get your own. That's not a choice. That's, that's a complete aberration of the term, speaking of uh, well, the English the, language. The next question <laughs> is, you know, if the government did pass legislation, and we have some industries that are, when you can't strike, you know, essential services where the government has passed laws to say it's just so important that we have X around. Yeah. I'm always surprised to find the police aren't in there, but uh, 
uh, anyway, yeah, I think, uh, who are the essential services? I can't even remember. I don't even think education but, is an essential but service. But anyway, I guess the, my point is that uh, the next question then is, what do you replace it with? Do you replace it with binding arbitration, for instance? And I think that actually the teachers probably would love that if, uh, if the province submitted to binding arbitration, but the province will sit back and say, well, no, it's the, uh, it's the boards that would have to do that. We're, we're, we've got nothing to do with this. Uh, you're employed by the boards. If the province submitted to binding arbitration, I suspect the teachers would probably come off a lot better than they have been in the last several years because an arbitrator would probably like award them at least inflationary wage increases off the bat, although I don't think wages have anything to do with this. No, I don't think it's not from what I've heard. That's not what they're complaining about. But that becomes another issue that's sort of ironic for the teachers in the sense that they're not talking about the, the classic thing is greedy teachers want money. This isn't about that at all, but as you say, for some reason they can't get out an altruistic message at all. Somehow they're always perceived as being the whiners. Uh, now, part of it, I an altruistic that, message. What are you talking about? An altruistic message. Well, that I think a teacher would tell you this isn't about me; it's about my students. I'm trying to make life better for my students. But that message doesn't play at all. And 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 I, I don't know whether it's because now the message that seems to be playing is that from the government, the teachers are lazy; they don't want to work. We want them to do more with less. We want them to be doing this after-school stuff, uh, mandatory instead of voluntary. We want them to be teaching extra classes and so on. And the reason that teachers are opposed to it is because they're lazy, as opposed to saying they don't think it's good for the students to be stretched that thin. Uh, somehow, again, they just can't spin it. But I think the one thing that I would agree on is that generally the strike is probably not going to get you a lot of sympathy with uh, the middle class, uh, by and large. Although I saw some uh, some polls to suggest that that big strike they had a few years ago, by near the end of it, they actually were getting some some, uh, some public support. Yeah, on a day, but those numbers were changing on a day-by-day -day yes, basis. Had the right. strike gone on for another week, it might have changed back again. So I don't know whether they, they need... Like, I look at somebody like the... Um, the uh, liquor control board, for instance, who have been extremely effective in their uh, in their campaigns with the government, where initially the government was was going to privatize, mm -hmm. it was a done deal. And uh, the LCBO have been effective in t turning that around totally because I think that they went out very aggressively and hired some good marketing people and come out with this wonderful new image. And, you know, we're going to do That's this still not a reason not to privatize them, though. No, but I'm saying that they, they won that war through the media mm -hmm. effectively uh, with some really good advice. Well, as I again, I'm and I'm with you in this, Jeff. It's inexplicable to me that the teachers have not been able to put a better spin on what they're trying to do, uh, and, and and they've not. I mean, patently, they have not been able to do that. I I, I come back again and again to to what I'm hearing. Well, how could you put all, a spin on what they're trying to do? They're just by what, just by what Jeff said. Jeff said this. Whether or not you agree with them, whether or not you think what they're what they're doing is right. The, the core of their argument, it seems to me, if you talk to them individually at least, the core of the argument is we're concerned about what's happening in our classrooms that our kids are, are being negatively affected by this. That should be a rallying cry. I mean, there should have been some way to take that and build a very positive public campaign, with, and they haven't done it. There's no place to go. They're at the dead end. It's over. Like, as far as I'm concerned, public education, i.e. government education, has hit the brick wall. But they don't believe that. No, they don't. No. And that's why, that's why I find it's ironic that they're the teachers. They should know better. All right, let's go back. Let's go to the phones here where Mike's waiting to join us. Hello, Mike. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Do you think the teachers should be legislated to stay on the job? No. No, I don't, I'm just... The whole issue about whether they're an essential service, is it really boiling down to their extracurricular being an essential service? Well, I'm not sure that what it's boiling down to. They are contending that that's, uh, at least that's one of the bones of contention with the government. The government is saying, in effect, you've always provided those things. Uh, it's always been part of your job. The teachers then threatened a, a few years ago there to take it away, so the government brought in legislation to say, no, you can't take that away. It's part of your job. Well, in fact, what's happened, of course, is that actually for the last two years in Janet Ecker's home writing, there have been no extra quick doctrine. Yeah. So I think that's taken a, a, on a larger-than-life 
perspective for her because it's a personal issue in her riding. Well, and it, and I don't think there's any doubt that it is, but you have to ask yourself, why would it, you know, did the teachers do the right thing in her riding? If you're a parent in that riding, who gets your sympathy? The teachers or Janet Ecker? Well, yeah. Janet Ecker would. But like, my concern is I, I don't think the extracurricular is an essential service. How can it be? What does it have to do with specific education, learning what they call outcomes or expectations to... Uh, work and succeed in the business world. Well, the, the argument has always been that it's, uh, it, it helps teach uh, social graces and the interaction with each other and competitiveness and good sportsmanship and all of that stuff. But that's taught in the gym class, isn't it? Isn't yeah. that taught during everywhere, every day working in the classroom? I suppose uh, you could make the case that it should be, yeah. So why is it needed? I, I, think it, I think that's probably what's putting the teachers back up. And I think that it... Uh, probably the main contention with them and I, I well I, I have to if admit, I was a teacher that would make me angry beyond belief if I you know I do a fair bit of volunteer work and if somebody came out tomorrow and said that's now part of your job we're not going to pay you a penny more but you're required to do all that stuff I'd say screw you I'm out of yeah, here but forget I, it but there's a difference here Jeff I think I, and I think the difference is that teachers it, it was part of the job it was always part of the job it was it was volunteer in the sense that it wasn't defined in terms of how many hours a week you did it but all the time you were in school, Bob was in school, I was in school, that teachers did it. It was part of their job. And then the teachers raised the issue and said, well, you know, we're not going to do that anymore because we don't have to do it. It's not written down. But why did they do that? Well, again, <laughs> as, as, a job a, as, a, as a bargaining chip, yeah. as a job action, yeah. yeah. And the Who started it? <laughs> and, the government, and the government said, well, if that's the way you're going to be about it, you know and we know that it is part of your job. We're just going to, since, you know, you don't accept that or you want to be able to play with that, we're going to take it out of your hands. Yeah. We're going to write it down now. Yeah. But I don't think there's any no question in my mind that, that for many, many years, extracurricular was part of the job. And the teachers obviously felt that way because they all did it. Well, well I guess to understand, too, that in days past, we came from a, a I don't know, how, how would you say it, maybe a, a much, quote, freer education system. I try to look at it from the point of view of how education would be if it were a parent-teacher relationship. If I was a parent taking my child to a school and I wanted X service for it and they didn't offer it to me, well, then I'd go to another school. This is not a choice that exists in our system right now, and that's where the problem lies. Uh, I don't think, I think we're dealing with, uh, you know, two parties, the government and the teachers, who are caught in their own box. There's, there's no good guys or bad guys here in that sense, and I think it's a mistake to brush all teachers with the same brush. There's good ones, there's bad ones. Mm, yeah. We just aren't in a system that differentiates between them. We aren't in a system that gives the consumer uh, any choices here mm -hmm. and so as long as you have that you're going to have dissatisfaction growing perpetually forever and ever mike last word to you well um my brother's a teacher and he tells me he sit, they sit down at the end of the year and everyone chooses what they're going to do and uh, he said that he coaches volleyball because he enjoys it and that he puts that much more effort into it and uh, i'll just end with with comment that if you force someone to do something they won't do as nearly as good a job as they would otherwise Good and point. That applies to the education system and forcing kids in the schools, too. Thanks for the call, Mike. Thanks. Appreciate well, it. Dave's up next. Hello, Dave. Hey. Do you think that uh, legislation should be drafted to keep the teachers in the schools? Um, well, I don't know about that question. I, I'm sort of trying to figure out the irony that's happening here. The, the Ministry of Education, I mean, they think that extracurricular activities is so important that they need to legislate it in and force the teachers to do it. But why is it the school boards and the schools are having to go out to fundraise to get money to provide the extracurricular activities? Like the Dream House lottery that's going on right now for the Catholic board. That's, yeah. 
that money is to get to you know provide extracurricular activities. Yeah, but I think that they, if you look at it from the other, turn it right around 180 degrees and look at it. What you have here is a situation where the community, the school community, wants to do certain things, wants the kids to have certain things. They can go to the community voluntarily or, or say to the community, we're looking for volunteers to help us fund these things. If you believe they're important, then you'll buy a ticket to the lottery, you'll buy cookies at the bake sale, you'll buy whatever. It takes the onus off the taxpayer. Well, that's well, why the should they have to? If the ministry is, is so set on uh, forcing the teachers to do it, then they should be putting the money where their mouth is and providing the money so that all the schools throughout Ontario can have the extracurricular activity. Well, I think the bottom line again is that any school that wants to have them can have them. All they have to do is go and raise the funds for it. What's the problem with that? Well, why should they have to raise the funds? Then well, you got inequities throughout school boards in Ontario. Or you've got inequities with taxpayers paying for things that they may not support. I think most taxpayers will accept that there's a certain core of education that we that it's beneficial for all of us to to support through our taxes but i'm not sure that you get as much support for for the kinds of extracurricular activities that go on in some of the schools i mean do do does every taxpayer want to pay for the volleyball games probably not should they have to well the reality is they don't have to because we know from experience that the parents can raise the money in the communities they do it every year and they haven't historically, though. This is a, a relatively recent phenomenon. The other side of it is that when the government came in, they said that they were going to encourage volunteers from the community to come in and, to come in and do a lot of this stuff, uh, along with a lot of other volunteer activities, and they found that hasn't happened. There hasn't been a groundswell of all kinds of community, civic-minded people coming in to do this. That's why they're, they're pushed back against the wall, saying, okay, in that case, we've got to force the teachers to do it. Uh, uh, I think, again, I think it's totally I, unfair. I don't think they're forcing the teachers. I think they're, they're, they're putting down on paper what, was, what had been a reality before. Well, there had been good will on both sides before. In the old days, both sides did things that weren't written in their contract. When the government said, we ain't doing our side of it anymore, teachers said, well, we're not doing our side of it then either. From a legal perspective, there's no question it wasn't part of their job, and the government now says they want to add it in, uh, but get nothing in exchange for it. That's, that's an extremely strange way to bargain. David, last word to you. I, I agree with the one point that came up there, that there's not a <clears throat> real groundswell of um, volunteers within the community, because I know in our own our school community, <clears throat> we um, bingo, do bingo, and you try and get 10 people to come out, you know, out of a school that's got like 300 and something kids, and try and get 10 parents to give up two hours one night, and it's almost impossible to find 10 people. Well, doesn't that say something about your school community, too? That's actually all across the province. Well, the I don't same know. sort of apathy is happening. It's it's really sad. Pa parents, you know, they want all those things, but they're not prepared to go out and do it. Do you think it's apathy, Dave, or do you think it's just people aren't happy enough with the product to even put any more time into it? It's like throwing good money after bad. Well, their kids aren't bad. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not talking about the Surely kids. I'm talking about for their kids. the money <laughs> and the time. But it's very hard to get people out for any volunteer activity. Well, that's, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember when I was in high school, we used to have to sell chocolate bars to raise money for extracurricular. And uh, I can see how something like a lottery home saves a lot of volunteer problems because you don't have to deal with volunteers. You have that big prize, and people always act uh, in their own self-interest, and that's how you have to appeal to them. This altruism stuff isn't going to work. It but I wonder, like, Jim, you do a lot of volunteer work. If somebody said tomorrow, and that's now part of your job, you're required to be there, we'll be punching a clock, you're, you're a, 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 an independent-minded person. That would get your backup. I can't respond to that question. <laughs> no, I can't respond to it honestly, because uh, on the one hand, intellectually, I'd have to say, yeah, you're right, my, my back would go up. But, but on the other hand, 
I think because of the nature of those kinds of things, I think uh, personally I would be prepared to do that. Yeah, I'd be ticked off if they said you had to do it, but I think it would be counterbalanced, more than counterbalanced, by the knowledge that it was still wor it was worth doing. Yeah. So I can't, you know, I, and it sounds like I'm kind of trying to fish my way out of that, but that, I've thought about that a lot, because that's been asked of me before, too. I suppose in your case. Well, in my case, I can't say that, and I'm not putting the teachers down because they don't feel that way, but in my particular case, that would be how I'd look at it. I wouldn't be happy at, at having my contract changed, if you will, but, but I'd, I'd look at the reason why and say, well, that's still, that's well worth doing. Mm -hmm. Dave, thanks for your call today. Okay. Appreciate it. Change the focus just a little wee bit here. Do you, either of you think there's any chance the government will do this, whether it's a good idea or not? Uh, my suspicion is that uh, Ontarians are going to continue to be apathetic until the morning when their kids are supposed to be in school, and the notices are, uh, and it won't be a surprise, but the notices are being posted on, through the media. Don't bother sending them because there's nobody there. Uh, my expectation is that morning Ontario will explode. And I expect there'll be great pressure on the government to do something, to do anything. Do either of you think that would lead to this kind of legislation? It always has in the past, not necessarily legislation per se, but usually even going on strike puts a, put, does put a strain on the teachers themselves. Let's face it. Um, they're, they're giving up a certain percentage of their pay. They're taking yeah. a risk with their job. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think they're taking a big risk with their jobs because... Uh, in the long term, they can't keep these attitudes going and, and either garner the, the support of the public that they're supposed to be serving or even have any self-respect left after doing these kind of actions that aren't really directly related to their profession per se. I, I see this as a big anti-Harris uh, union campaign really more than anything else. Jeff? I think that that's true, that this is sort of the ongoing... Harris are chopping away at the teachers, uh, uh, whether there'll be legislation. I think there probably will be, again, just because this is such a personal issue for Janet Ecker, uh, because of her riding that uh, she'll apply to the province, even though realistically it isn't really an issue here. For instance, you know, it was an action that was used in that one riding, and it probably will apply. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's interesting because now is a time when uh, there's a great demand for teachers. Remember a few years ago, they, they couldn't give away teachers. Mm -hmm. Now there's a big shortage. It'll be interesting to see if, uh, if you know, Bob's sort of free market steps in to, uh, to give the teachers more clout at the bargaining table uh, just because they can, can be voting with their feet and heading off to other places. If, they, if the market works, teachers should be in line for uh, some raises, uh, maybe not as much as the Premier, but uh, something. If the market works, though, might it not open it up for a whole lot of other people to step into teaching positions? Yeah, I don't. See, I think they're already quote overpaid. I mean, and we, that's, no, that's no, pretty. We've seen, but we've seen we've seen that in the community colleges. Just to use an example, and I don't know if it's still the way now, but there was a time when community colleges were really starting to roll in this in, in around here, where there they had a lot of people teaching out there who were not quote teachers. They had experience, they had credentials in, in terms of the fields that they were going to teach with, but they were not professional teachers. And I believe it still happens. I believe they still have people whose yeah, creden credentials lie, you know, lie more on the practical side of yep. the practical application. One wonders if there might not be a, a resource there if we get to the point where, where there is a, a genuine shortage of teachers, if the government or the school boards or maybe even the teachers will move to a direction and say, okay, we need people, more people with practical skills. We'll give them a six-month uh, training course on how to how to impart those skills, or maybe we won't give them any training course at all. We'll give them a couple of weeks and send them out there. Well, that would make it that much worse again. But I, it didn't I, make I it didn't, didn't make it worse for the colleges. Well, it worked in the colleges. If somebody's going to teach grade sixers after a couple of weeks of classes. That's going to be a bad bad scene. I can see the specialized teaching uh, more like an apprenticing, but. Uh, 
at, at the end of the day, again, the reason that we've got this huge glut is because so many teachers have taken retirement packages uh, to get the hell out of the system, and uh, they're, or, uh, all those colleges turning them out as fast as they can to get them in there. Uh, so theoretically, that's the kind of time when wages are supposed to go up. We'll see whether that happens. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Thanks to both of you for being with us today. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. We look forward to seeing Bob and Jeff soon again on uh, Left, Right, and Center. And don't forget, if you've got a question you'd like to have addressed in this portion of our program or any portion of the program, don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, that's what Leslie did yesterday, and her question was on today. Uh, news.